Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to the Global Football Show. I am your host, as always, Phil Brand. Join with my fantastic regular co-host, the excellent Zach Lowe. Of course, you can find Zach at Zach Lowe, and of course, his uh, fantastic Twitter account website, breaking the lines at BTL. Um, Zach, first of all, let me say, how you doing, mate? Hey, Phil, doing very well. I've got a great uh, lot of action to discuss with regards to the World Cup. So, really looking forward to today's episode. Yeah, there's a lot to discuss about the World Cup. Um, I'm going to start this podcast doing something that is very difficult for me personally. And I'm sure anyone listening to this can detect the emotion in my voice. Um, On Friday, we lost a friend, the best soccer journalist this country has ever seen. Uh, Someone that meant a lot to me, someone that had been coming on my podcast for years. Someone who knew and moved in circles way above mine, but always had time, no matter who you were. And that was one of the overwhelming things that you were taking from a lot of the tributes that were being paid to Grant on Friday was that he had time for everybody. And I know he died doing something that he loved. And there is no question that people like yourself, Zach, and others, young American journalists coming behind, will have a path that's already laid out for them. He's already cleared a path for so many to follow in his footsteps that will make life so much easier. He overcame the arrogance and, of course, the cynicism towards an American cover in soccer at a time whenever it was often ridiculed. And he earned the respect with his colleagues because he was so well-informed. A guy that LeBron James, David Beckham, and other sports giants came out and quite rightly praised a guy who was a journalist to the very death, to the very end. A guy who, my last text with Grant was after the England-USA game. And I never thought that would be the last time we would ever text. I thought we'd have many more conversations. And uh, the irony is I was not in a great place last week myself because it was the anniversary of my wife's death from heart failure. So in many ways, I know what his family is going through and will continue to go through for years to come. Um, This, in many ways, gave the World Cup a new dimension for me where it was now associated and forever will be associated with the loss of my friend. A colossal in the sports, football, soccer, journalism world in this country. Someone we owe an enormous debt of gratitude to and something that when the World Cup is here in three and a half years, he not get to see, but no doubt was an integral part of the sports growth in this country. And no doubt a massive part of why so many people from this country go to World Cups. Someone that brought respect and credibility to the sport alongside basketball, football, and all the other sports and Sports Illustrated. A truly beautiful human being who was exactly was he, as he is publicly as he is privately. No different. 
I'm going to miss him so much. And if you're an American listening to this, you owe Grant so much when it comes to football. He made sure it was put on your newspapers, put on your magazines, put on TV. It is something that has devastated me since Friday. And I really hope, I really hope people would not continue to speculate over his death, the cause of death, or any sinister reasons. We don't know what happened. And I think Grant's family should be allowed to grieve in private. And his fantastic family will no doubt get answers that they so badly need. But right now, I just miss my friend. The last thing I want you all to take from this is how fragile your own life is. I was listening to a podcast that day <clears throat> about philosophy. And one of the comments on the podcast was, there will be a number of people going to bed tonight with their hopes and dreams ahead of them, just like you, with an expectation of longevity. Who will die tomorrow? And I have no idea. One day that will be you. Please live your life now. Don't leave anything unsaid that needs to be said. Don't forget to be kind to people. I'm not pontificating, but honestly, as someone who's been through this, and I'm acutely aware of how fragile your own life is and how short our life is, please, please, please take a lesson from this, that this can be gone at any moment. I'm going to miss my friends so much. Thank you for letting me do that, Zach. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I would just say that, you know, as growing up in the United States, um, you know, obviously football or soccer wasn't the number one sport, but I do think that Grant's journalism played a massive role in a large portion of the country being able to take it seriously. And it's just incredible to see uh, when, you know, the 1994 World Cup rolled around, Grant mm -hmm. was, I'm not sure, probably in his early 20s. When it comes back in 2026, uh, you know, people are going to treat the U.S. a lot differently as a host. Absolutely. And I think oh, that Grant, Grant has played a massive impact in that. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, I never got the chance to speak with him. But, you know, he is somebody who I've definitely look up, looked up to as a journalist, somebody who always speaks truth to power, who uh, is never one to uh, let politics and football be separate, someone who's always mm -hmm. uh, willing to d dive a bit deeper. So uh, without a doubt, we're going to miss him. But he's somebody whose uh, impact will continue to be felt in the following generations. No question. And then obviously, on behalf of my show, I will always be grateful to him for everything that he did for me personally. And you're right, Zach, he, he was willing to pay a material cost to defend his values because he had a genuine belief in them. And you could sum him up in just a few words what his politics were, what his ideology was, and it was basically minimize human suffering. And, and everything was tailored around that. Just a, a truly spectacular human being, someone that is a massive loss and something that I will feel for a long time. Uh, I actually planned uh, to have him on right after the World Cup. And um, it's been a really, really difficult few days. 
uh, but again, I just remember to all of us how fragile life is, and why it can be gone in a, in, in a blink of an eye. It's just such a tragic, tragic end to uh, an individual that we need because we need more people like him. We need more people that are willing to use their platforms to promote causes of good. Uh, and I nothing but the utmost respect and love for that man and for his family. We will be sorely missed. Um, Evolving the conversation to the football, Zach. Um, it's a bit difficult at the moment to actually be excited about this, but nonetheless, we saw some fantastic games on Friday. Um, the Dutch, the Argentinians, was just brilliant. That had everything, and everything you would want in a game of football. It had drama, it had late goals, it had a bit of snide, it had, uh, it had just about everything. It had the benches on the field fighting, arguably some. Not the best referee in an England-France game, very similar, uh, had everything, drama, uh, late goals, you know, everything that uh, you would want in, in the quarterfinals. We'll start with the Argentina-Dutch game. What would you make of that? Yeah, overall, this game, uh, I thought it was an absolutely thrilling matchup. Uh, and I think part of that is just the amount of emotions uh, between two nations, one that's been to three World Cup finals, uh, and yet has never won it. Another, which has won uh, two, but hasn't won since 1986. So two countries that definitely feel like they've been owed one. Um, and two countries who, yeah, bouncing back from a difficult 2018. And uh, I think that it started off very well for Argentina. Uh, tr you know, they were trying to break down Netherlands' uh, solid block. It wasn't easy, but Messi... Just an absolutely phenomenal pass to pick out Nahuel Molina. Just absolutely beautiful to split the defense and find him without even picking his head up. Uh, just a world-class bit of artistry. Um, and then moving forward, right, we saw as well Argentina get a second goal. But uh, unfortunately, allowing Netherlands to get back in it. Wout Weghorst, uh, really fundamental coming off the bench, I thought, as well as a few other players such as Luke de Jong. But uh, Weghorst was the star of the show. He took the tie into extra time. One of the most impactful uh, cameos coming off the bench that we've seen in this World Cup. And I think that's what's so great about the World Cup. You know, you you can have, it's, it's almost like a great leveler. You know, you can have mm -hmm. this player, arguably the greatest player of all time, uh, you know, putting his team up to nothing. And then this guy, Wood Weghorst, a uh, player who spent the past few years in uh, Wolfsburg, Went to Burnley in January, didn't really do anything now in, uh, in in playing in Turkey on loan, coming on and leading his side back into extra time. So I felt that, you know, the Netherlands were going to be able to take advantage. Um, I thought that overall in extra time, I thought Argentina were the better side, but weren't able to, um, you know, find an extra goal. So, the side, uh, so it went to penalties. And I thought that, yeah, Netherlands... They started poorly with uh, Van Dyke and Berghaus's and Berghaus's misses, and overall just a, a, a an absolutely nail biting affair, very similar to the 2018 one. But I think the uh, sorry 2014 one. But I think the biggest difference is the amount of fighting and yellow cards. You know, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember anywhere near the amount of. I, I think there was a record amount of yellow cards, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, you know, absolutely crazy stuff. I do think that there were certain players on Argentina who were, you know, feeling a bit bitter. 
Um, I, I, I know that Van Gaal made some comments criticizing mm-hmm. Messi's work rate off the ball. So, uh, right, we saw so just some crazy scenes at the end. Messi getting into a fight with Edgar Davids, you know, just mm-hmm. some crazy stuff. Uh, saying, you know, what are you, uh, Bobo, what are you looking at, idiot, to Weghorst? Uh, at the end of the game. So just some stuff that, you know, we, we've never really seen before from Messi overall. Just um, some crazy stuff. But I thought that it was a fantastic match. Um, I felt that uh, I, I felt that Enzo Fernandez did very well once again in midfield. Uh, really composed showing in probably the biggest game of his career so far. You know, despite that own goal uh, that he scored, he's been absolutely instrumental to Argentina's development uh, over this tournament and coming from, you know, losing their first match to Saudi Arabia to already in the semifinals. So I expect him to be very important against Croatia. But yeah, I thought that Enzo was once again one of Argentina's best players. Um, And yeah, I remember I was was watching the game with two of my friends and uh, one of them was saying, Zach, there's absolutely no chance that Enzo misses it, uh, misses his penalty. You know, he's definitely going to i'll bet you 50 bucks right now what do you know enzo ends up missing it so <laughs> i'm pretty sure that he was uh the person who who jinxed him but uh fortunately argentina were able to uh put away the next one lautaro martinez uh sending argentina through to the semifinals overall yeah another ab- another absolutely memorable game that will live on in 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 the memory just like their clashes in uh, 1978 and 2014 yeah, there have been some legendary games between those two, and of course, because the '98 World Cup was it uh, the famous Dennis Bergkamp goal uh, against Argentina, um, absolutely unbelievable goal that. Um, so, uh, one of the things that we have seen that's been a bit different has been maybe a different side to Lionel Messi, and I don't know if it's the pressure. This is his last World Cup. Argentina haven't won the World Cup since '86. Of course, the ghost of Maradona hangs heavy. Uh, looms large always uh, over an Argentina team. And it, but it seems like he's sort of grown into the role of being a, a, a protagonist for Argentina. Um, uh, you know, a, 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 a pelionero, as they say in Spanish, but a troublemaker. Uh, but uh, he, 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 it seems like he is maybe showing a side that Argentinians have criticized him for not showing in the past, a passion for the shirt, uh, a love for the, for the, for the, for the country, um, maybe not committed to the cause in the same way Maradona was, where it wasn't just Maradona on the pitch in 86 that grabbed the headlines. It was his whole behavior in the, during the whole tournament where the country just completely fell in love with them if they didn't already prior to that. But he embodied what it meant to be Argentinian. And I just feel like, if you look at Argentinian players, I'm not going to rely on national stereotypes, but everyone has their own identity, and this is a positive. Um, Argentinians are passionate players. You know, the United fans absolutely love Lissandro Martinez. Gabriel Ince had, of course, similar uh, similar personality traits as well. And if you look at the Argentinian leagues, Zach, I mean, it is a battleground. I mean, you you got you have to see the Uruguayan league. I mean, these are tough, tough leagues. Um, so it seems like for the first time we've seen a Messi sort of grow into that role, not just be a genius on the pitch, but become an Argentinian off it. Is that fair? Yeah, no, I, I think that we are seeing Messi come out of his shell in some regards. And I do think that part of that 
is I think something that that we've seen not just this World Cup, but over the past few years, you know, Messi really uh, opening up and being more of a team player. I think that's definitely something that we've seen, especially under the tutelage of Lionel Scaloni uh, in getting Argentina. We know we saw that in, in last year's Copa America. I think Messi becoming more vocal. But uh, yeah, without a doubt, I think that Netherlands the Netherlands game was a climax in that regard. Um, this is Messi's final World Cup. You know, this is the last chance for him to uh, to win the one thing that's really lacking from his resume. And I, I think that, you know, there's no t- tournament that uh, brings out the emotions in players who've done it all, whether that's Messi, whether that's Cristiano Ronaldo, whether that's Neymar. We've seen so many examples of it over the past few weeks. But I think that, uh, yeah, it, it's something that, Perhaps he lacked a bit of that garra mentality, having grown up, having um, mm-hmm. having moved from Argentina to Spain at what ten years of age. Um, but it's definitely something that I think has has developed recently. So it's 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 an interesting balance because I think that in in one way, uh, Argentina, one of the reasons for their uh, resurgence, shall we say, under Lionel Scaloni is the decrease in Messi dependency. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's something that definitely marked their previous failed World Cup campaigns. With that being said, we're, we're still seeing how Messi can operate as the star of the show. You know, he's been one of the best players in this entire World Cup. There's no doubt about that. Um, but you're still seeing players sh- such as Julian Alvarez such as Nahuel Molina stepping up. Uh, it's not necessarily the team can't function without Messi being involved in one every two touches. You know, he, he doesn't have to be the heartbeat. He can still, you know, make an impact in, in other regards, um, which I think is in, incredibly important because that's what has been lacking from Argentina in recent years, that fundamental uh, team aspect. They play a very, very difficult Croatia team next and uh, this is going to be a very very difficult game against the country and I know it's often said but it has to be said of four million people and what they do not just in football's act but in sport in general I mean this country is sport mad they produce unbelievable athletes their success isn't an accident and Argentina is going to have their work cut out for them to beat this Croatia team. This is a Croatia team that have just knocked out Brazil, <clears throat> who you said last week would win it. <laughs> um, a Brazil that prior to that game looked like they were going to win it. A Brazil that they completely shut down were, uh, this is, they, they, they never know they're beaten. They, keep, they just keep coming at you and their nerve in penalty shootouts. They've won their last four penalty shootouts. Unbelievable. Um, this is, a, a, a very, very difficult team to beat. And honestly, the fact that Argentina or Croatia are going to be in the final would, is a great story in itself because one of two things will happen. Argentina will respond after that first defeat against Saudi Arabia, much the same way they did like in 1990 when they lost their opening game and got to the final. Uh, much the same way Italy in 94 lost their opening game, got to the final. Uh, this, or we're going to see Croatia in back-to-back World Cup finals. That is ridiculous. Yeah, listen, I think that there are some crazy storylines no matter how you look at this. Uh, 
you know, France, we're, we're looking at a, a string of teams, past few defending champions. I think, what, four of the past defending champions, four of the past five defending champions haven't even made it out of their group, uh, whether that's France, uh, you know, France in 2002, uh, Italy in 2010, Spain in 2014, Germany in 2018, uh, France already breaking uh, Brazil 2006 and getting to the semifinals, so credit them. And they will be looking to become the first team uh, since since Brazil in 1958-1962 to repeat. Um, so you've got that storyline, a France team that's doing with this with so many key players injured. Absolutely incredible that they've gotten this uh, this far, you know, hats off to Didier Deschamps, but uh, you've you've also got Morocco, who've already achieved history by becoming the first African side to reach yeah, the semifinals. Get to them. You've got Croatia, who are you know within inches of reaching a second straight World Cup final. Absolutely incredible, um, especially when you look at this coming after the, the retirement of several key players, such as Ivan Rakitic and Mario Mandzukic. You see players such as uh, Luka Modric and Ivan Perisic really uh, defying age and proving they are still massive players for this team. So I, I think that there are so many incredible storylines, but I think that probably the one that, that most people want to see uh, is Lionel Messi ending his time uh, with, with a World Cup. I got to be honest, I don't. I want to see a Croatian-Morocco final. Because I think more than ever, football needs an underdog story. Football and club football is so stacked against making sure that an underdog doesn't succeed. And it's become a bit boring in some sense where we have a competition like the Champions League. We're really going to get three or four teams that are capable of winning it. And I think more than any other time, we look at how important Iceland was. right? Captivated a small nation. Their amazing chant, right, that went viral around the world. Football needs these underdog stories. Football needs these smaller nations or nations with fewer resources to be successful. And and it's so inspiring to the country. I mean, what does it do for football? Sure, it's a great story if Messi wins the World Cup with Argentina, right? Um, if Argentina win the, the World Cup final, Okay, it's not it's not the biggest story in the world. If uh, if France won it again, not the biggest story in the world. But what would it do for world football if Croatia or Morocco won the World Cup? That's the impact of that across Africa, for example, if Morocco won it, would be felt for decades. The impact in Croatia would also be inspiring to other small nations that you don't have to accept defeat that you can't compete with if you have proper structures in place. So I think like for football and for a competitive balance of football, I would love to see a Croatia-Morocco final. We rarely get these fairy tales in football. Every once in a while it throws up a last or something like that where you're going, football body needs this, but they're rare. And they're becoming fewer and fewer. And I would love to see a Morocco-Croatia final. Truthfully, if I could pick one winner, it would be Morocco. If I, if I, in an ideal world, I think it would be amazing for the region. It would be amazing for African football. I think it would be amazing for, for for football across the world. I think there's so many kids around the world, 
African kids, Muslim kids, I think it would be absolutely amazing for them to have someone just like them win a World Cup. Yeah, the only thing, listen, for me, uh, I'm fine with any team winning it as long as it's not France, okay? Credit to <laughs> Didier Deschamps. They've done a phenomenal job getting this far with so many injuries. But listen, you're, you're approaching your third World Cup, just won it four years ago, and Kylian Mbappe is 23 years mm. old. You're still going to have plenty more opportunities uh, to to go after this, okay? Uh, so for me, as long as it's not France, uh, I'll definitely be rooting against. Uh, I'll definitely be rooting for Morocco in the semifinal. As for Argentina, Croatia, either way, I think it would be a fantastic story. Sorry, Argentina, Argentina getting to uh, the World Cup final and having a chance to uh, send off Messi in his final World Cup with uh, the only tournament that he's lacking. Or uh, another GOAT getting a send-off trophy and Luka Modric leading yes. their first ever. Either way, I think it would be absolutely fantastic. So, uh, yeah, Croatia, Morocco, or Argentina, I really hope win. Sorry to all of my French uh, followers, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm definitely rooting against you guys. <laughs> yeah, look, and, and, and in some ways that's a compliment to France. It's a compliment to how good they are. It's a compliment to their quality. You know, they, they're consistently exceptional. This is a country that, uh, you know, when I was growing up was consistently cursed with not being able to win major tournaments to see what their club sets. So in that sense, I think it's great. Uh, it would be great for someone else, uh, and from a, a non-European nation. If Croatia, if a European team has to win it, I'd like it to be Croatia. But the last yeah. four winners have been European, so it'd be great to see it either go to South America or go to uh, to go to Africa, North Africa, which would be absolutely fantastic. So, um, what do you see happening in the France Morocco game? Yeah, once again, I'll be I'll be rooting for. Morocco, with you know, with the exception of Portugal, I pretty much always root for the underdogs <laughs> in major yeah. tournaments. So I was pretty thrilled for Croatia uh, getting through. But yeah, with regards to this France Morocco t- thing, I think it's going to be very difficult for Morocco to get a result. Um, yes, they've had such a phenomenal defensive record, but I'm not too sure what the status of uh, several key players are, such as uh, Nusser Masrawi. I know he missed. The um, he missed the Portugal match uh, due to injury, as well as I believe Nayef Aguerd, and uh, I believe that Roman Seis as well was taken off due to injury. So really not sure if those players are going to be back, but those have you know all been absolutely massive uh, in in Morocco's back four. So you're gonna have to if you don't have them, you're gonna have to rely heavily on Atraf Hakimi holding down the fort from right back, as well as uh, other players slotting in, whether that's Jamad El-Yamik, um, Achraf Dari, or uh, Ait Amala. You know, they're decent players, but I don't think they're at the same level as uh, the, the, the starters. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I think that France are just playing so well at the moment. Uh, they weren't necessarily the better side against England, but... I did feel that they they managed to uh, to to hold their own in a counterattacking setup, and we've seen that Didier Deschamps. You know, he he likes he almost likes to have opponents to have a little bit of uh, possession, so that uh, 
players like Mbappe have space to break. Yes. It's overall, we're seeing such, you know, a dynamic uh, setup from France. It's, it's pretty incredible when you think that so many key players such as Karim Benzema, uh, such as N'Golo Kante and Paul Pogba. And Kunku. And Kunku's out. Yeah. They found the absolutely, they found the, the right balance. Um, you know, Antoine Griezmann, for me, he has arguably been the best player in this entire World Cup. Uh, I, I would argue he's been as good as uh, Kylian Mbappe. And uh, I, I think that as well, uh, while Mbappe has been fantastic, uh, I do think that Ousmane Dembele has really flown under the radar. Mm-hmm. You know, he's providing that um, that dynamism and, and excitement that I think had been missing from a lot of France performances in the run-up uh, to this tournament. And Olivier Giroud, I mean, what else can we say about him? He's aging like a fine wine. Uh, what a performance he's having. And, you know, I hate to say it, but I do think that uh, in some ways the injuries to pl- some players such as uh, such as Lucas Hernandez, um, such as Karim Benzema may have been blessing in disguises for France. You know, I think that as good as Benzema is, just the way that Giroud operates uh, and the balance that he's he's found with uh, Griezmann, Mbappe, and Usmani, it's just so, so valuable to this France team. Similarly, how, you know, as important as Lucas Hernandez was to France's uh, World Cup triumph four years ago, Theo Hernandez just offers, I think, so much more uh, attacking dynamism and really just... For for me, it's hard to think of a a better left back going forward right now. He's just so explosive, so efficient in his crossing and his final ball. Uh, for sure, one of the best left backs in football right now. Um, so it, it's just absolutely incredible to see this France team and the amount of talent they have. It's it's really hard to bet against them. So I I think that France are going to pull this off. I hope I'm wrong. But um, they just have an, an absolutely extraordinary team. And credit to Didier Deschamps. You know, I thought that going into this tournament, this could potentially be a really shaky tournament uh, for France when you look at so many injuries, uh, when you look at their disappointing Euros performance. Deschamps, though, I think it's clear he's, he's earned himself an extension with uh, France's tournament, with, with France's performance. You know, yes, it will be disappointing if they do lose to Morocco, but overall, you know, he's done a fantastic job in in getting in plugging guys like Adrien Rabio and Aurelien Chouameni in. Um, so they're I, I expect them to win, but with that being said, I, I do think that they need to show some, a bit of improvement from the England match. Uh, they made a lot of mistakes, uh, especially in defense. A lot of really uh, errant mistakes from. Uh, Ureli and Chouameni, who, despite his goal, gave away one of the penalties. Um, I, you know, you had players like Theo Hernandez, Diopa Makano, making some really rash decisions. So that's going to be a big test for for uh, a France team that, yeah, is, is is featuring a lot of fantastic youngsters like like Chouameni, like Upa Makano, but keyword youngsters, players who. Uh, are are in in many ways facing their first ever major tournament and who are going to make uh, these kinds of mistakes. So can they uh, can they avoid those mistakes that could be massively uh, costly against Morocco? I think that's going to be a, a really bit important question. 
Let me ask you about Deschamps. Because if France win this World Cup, that's back-to-back World Cups. Deschamps is never really mentioned in when it comes to top jobs being available. And we were talking about how the World Cup is missing the Messi's um, repertoire, is missing in his trophy cabinet. And it is true that once the World Cup was uh, certainly defined a lot of people people's careers. Um, but I don't know if that's still the case. Because I'm looking at someone like Yogi Love, who's out of a job, previous World Cup winner. And for some reason, winning the World Cup doesn't put you in that discussion anymore on its on its own. And if you're Deschamps, regardless of what happens, surely you walk at the end of this tournament. Surely you say to yourself, what more can I do back-to-back World Cup wins? And I, I just wonder why it no longer catapults you into that discussion for all the top jobs. I mean... I occasionally get mentioned with the Chelsea job. It was a loose connection because obviously he played there and the Juventus job in the past. But that you never really see him in the running for, for you know, if top job comes up in the Premier League or the Liga or, or, or Italy, he's never really in that discussion. Is that is that fair to him? I, I think that fair, I don't think fair is the right word. I just think that, look, well, there is he underrated? Very, would you say? Listen, would listen, you say there, underrated? there are very, there are very few national team jobs that are as attractive, if not more, than uh, the likes of Paris Saint Germain, Real Madrid, uh, you know, Bayern Munich, those kinds of clubs. And frankly, France is one of them. Okay, there's there's a reason why Zinedine Zidane uh, has been out of a job for what is it, a, more than a year now? And that's because he doesn't want to return to club level. He's waiting for uh, the France job to open up. And frankly, I after this showing, no matter what happens against Morocco, I, I don't think uh, that spot is opening up anytime soon because it is not easy to do uh, what, what, what someone like Deschamps does in managing all these egos and getting them to uh, click. And I think he's done, you know, he, he came in a very uh, difficult moment for France after the scandal with Laurent Blanc. Uh, but he's, he's done incredibly well getting them uh, first to the quarterfinals, losing to the eventual champions uh, Germany um, in the World Cup 2016, getting them to the Euros final, losing at home to Portugal, and then uh, obviously leading them to a World Cup, one of the most, for me, one of the most dominant one-sided showings uh, in in the competition in recent years. And then, of course, had a bit of a down year with uh, with the Euros and some poor results here and there, but uh, have gotten back to the final four of the world's biggest competition. And yeah, he's done a fantastic job. Um, but the only thing I would say is look at the teams that that have available managerial positions or teams that you know, maybe have a position that will open up soon. Uh, are any of them more attractive for someone like Deschamps than the France manager job? I'm not so sure. The fact is, uh, you know, Deschamps, he goes to a club, he's going to be put under a lot more pressure, I think, uh, than, than the France job. And I also think that part of 
part of the allure of an international job is having so much more authority over players. You know, if you don't like a player, uh, you can just stop calling them up. That that is something that you you know you you don't have the same luxury with with inter, with club football. You know, you have to deal with contracts and whatnot. Um, so I think that he's done a fantastic job of of managing the veterans, of of getting all these egos as well as young talents on the same page. He's somebody that you know the players clearly uh, like and and are willing to run to, run uh, over a wall for. He's somebody who I think uh, is is in a very good position right now, and I'm just not so sure if uh, someone like uh, I don't know Tottenham or uh, came came around. You know, would he drop everything and leave? You know, I think that the France job for me it's it's one of the most attractive jobs in world football, and you there aren't that many positions where I think you can say that. You know, for example, England, while you have an incredible amount of talent. It is in many ways a poison chalice. You know, that's why when, when England fans say, Oh, you know, we just lost to France in the quarterfinals. We need to have a massive inquest. We need to sack Gareth Southgate. Well, hold on a minute, Slugger. How many, uh, how many available managers are going to take the England job? You know, that's a question you have to ask yourself, but I, I do think that uh, France would have several suitors. You know, I think that, Zidane is clearly one of them, but uh, but Deschamps has has definitely earned himself plenty of uh, leeway. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get all that, and I get that there are certain unique aspects about an international job that don't exist at club level, and I, I understand that uh, you know they're being tested in different ways, and pro, there's pros and cons to both. You know, uh, of course, the club level, you can buy players. To, you know, you have to recruit within it. You know, you're, you're, you're limited to the people that can represent your country, so you're limited to choices. So and some people would see that as being a little bit more free. I'm just curious to know, like, what does international football, success in international football level really do for your reputation? You know, I, I, I'm, maybe someone like Sam Pauli had done a lot for him, people like that. Um, but here's Gareth Southgate. So... Gareth Southgate has been England's most successful manager since Alf Ramsey. Uh, now, if you think about that, has it really enhanced his reputation? If Gareth Southgate was to leave England right now, he would be no more in the running for a top job than what he was before he went there. In fact, most people would think less of him. Um, <clears throat> and so I'm thinking if you're Deschamps, you... I suppose, I mean, only he can answer this question. If he was to leave off the world stage right now, like Yogi Love, he'd be forgotten about in about a couple of two, three years. Right? And whereas Zidane, who's already won three Champions Leagues, everything fine, then go and, and totally understand why you would want to do it in that way. You know, because it's usually how like it's done. Comparing, I feel like you're comparing apples to oranges here, though. No, no, I'm just saying, if Deschamps, I, I, I'm yeah. asking myself, if, if you're Didier Deschamps, and you want to challenge yourself as a, as a manager, um, maybe you're, maybe maybe he, some people are okay with being an international manager and saying, I like more time with my family, I don't want to do this, do this. I totally get that, right? And some people Zach, yeah. are better suited to being an international manager than a club manager. Mm-hmm. And there is no question the vicissitudes of clubs um, when it comes to dealing with 
fans, when it comes to dealing with owners, when it comes to dealing with players, you know, all is totally different. And some people just don't have that headache. I get that. Um, I just feel he's at a point where if he is going to solidify himself as a legend, a, a managerial legend, which he may be, I think he needs to make that next step now and do it with a PSG. If he took a PSG or a Champions League, won the Champions League with PSG, there'd be no denying it. Like yeah. to me, one of the things that Kylian Mbappe has done in this World Cup yeah. that he can't do in the French League is he's confirmed to the world he's he is not hype. He is the real deal. He's done that at this World Cup. I, I there's I've removed all doubt that Kylian Mbappe uh, is for real and right. and he can't do that in the France League but he can do it here I just feel that it, for Deschamps he needs that next level of verification but maybe maybe so let, me, let me let me ask you this let me ask you this what did Gareth Southgate do before taking the England job uh he was uh a club manager he was at Middlesbrough wasn't he yeah, he lasted what a few months at Borough, got relegated there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, what what did what did Deschamps do in club football? He won a league I, title with Marseille, right? So I think that I mean you compare their track records before, you compare their track records after. Obviously, Gareth Southgate, if he were to depart England, you know he I do think that his it's fair to say that his reputation has risen a bit. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's clear that he would not get a single Premier League team interested because the fact is, as good of a job as he's done in England, he hasn't been able to deliver in the finer margins. He's been outcoached by the likes of Roberto Mancini and, and Zlatko Dalic in the biggest moments. Uh, he's done nothing to suggest that he can compete in a league where, uh, you know, bottom tier teams have coaches like... Julian Lopetegi and uh, Unai Emery. Okay, um, I I think that it, it's it's on the other hand, if Deschamps were to leave now, I think he could easily attract the interest of several teams. You know, I'm not sure how well his his English is, but I think that um, I I do I do think that he's certainly increased his profile to the point where it doesn't really matter if he leaves now or. In, in you know two years from now after the Euros, I think he'd still have plenty of teams uh, wanting to appoint him. Okay, because let's let's be real here. Okay, no, there, I'm, there not is an acre, I'm not comparing. There Deschamps. is an acre of space between what Deschamps has done with France and what what um, what what Southgate has done with England. But so I'm, not comparing, think, those, let's I'm not, not comparing them as managers yeah. or success. What I'm comparing right. is the international stage. I mean, I think it's wow. a fair comparison to say Deschamps and Yogi Love is a similar comparison. I don't think. Uh, 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 yeah. My point my, wasn't that I was comparing them as managers or, or, or in capability. I'm comparing yeah. the fact that whatever you accomplish on the international stage, it's not. Yeah. It's not impacting you. It made me feel like this: if you win a Champions League, right. that is almost more career defining than winning a World Cup now. And I think you know you you listen to Mourinho about Pogba, right? yeah. Saying Paul Pogba performed great at the World Cup because of the unique circumstances. It's a four-week tournament. They're they're locked away. They're completely focused on football. They don't have all the variables that you have at club level, like we just talked about. It takes right. a different skill to 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 be successful in international football, and 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 we see this 
when we look at players that could pick for international teams, some of them don't play for their club teams, yet there be there, there's better players on the bench and you're going, they have these weird preferences for players at international level, and but not a club level, and it's because you're managing completely different circumstances. Yeah. So I just feel that um, because of the growth of club football, that that is now the most career-defining yeah. For any manager, and and look, Deschamps, you're right in saying that Deschamps and Southgate, they're they're not comparable in terms of their their, their success and, and even as a player, uh, uh, and and but I'm just saying that maybe it would help Gareth Southgate. I don't know because England haven't won it in so long. But if you win the World Cup with Brazil, you win the World Cup with France, you win it with one of these nations. Yeah, it's almost like an, there's an asterisk. Yeah, well, you should win it. You know, and I thought I just they yeah. maybe 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 if you're you win it with an underdog nation, everybody's like Goldalich. You know, his right. reputation should be greatly increased. But I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong there, but I just I see what for, I for see me, what you're trying to say. I to see I mean, Deschamps going to club football, but anyway, I see what you're trying to say. I do think that obviously international football is a step down from club football when you consider the fact that international football is a part-time job. With that being said, you know. Um, it, you know what what Deschamps has has achieved since the World Cup the the credit that he's he's gotten you know it, it's not like a Starbucks gift card okay it doesn't expire oh, no. if you don't Oof. use it in two years Deschamps <laughs> yeah he'll still be uh, a man with plenty of offers uh, I think if he, if he wants to leave France but I think what he's done is is so special and yes some some managers they don't necessarily want. The limelight they want uh they don't want the 24 7 nature of of club football and they want a bit more authority over uh over their players okay and i also think that look the fact is i don't think there's a single uh a, a single club in world football that has a better squad than than france right now okay um it's it's absolutely incredible and and i think that there's something that's very exciting from Deschamps perspective about getting to manage your country, getting to work with, uh, you know, a country that really does not stop producing world-class talents. And I think we saw the perfect example of that, um, uh, you know, uh, two, uh, two days ago, you know, England have spent pretty much their, all their resources focusing on Kylian Mbappe and shutting him down, putting three guys on him. Well, guess what? You forgot about the other 10 players. Uh, it's an absolutely phenomenal team. And I think that if, if I were Deschamps, I, w- I would certainly relish that opportunity to to continue in this window. You know, uh, windows, th- these are things that people don't think a lot about. And I think that uh, I, I mentioned this earlier. I, I thought that, you know, this 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 tournament, I think there's the potential for England's window to be closing because I do think that while there are a lot of great young players coming up on the scene for them, uh, the, the the key players in defense are um, perhaps in their prime right now. When you look at Harry Maguire, Kyle Walker, Luke Shaw, John Stones, you know, they've, they're all in that peak age. Um, and I think that that's one of the reasons why England have been so good is their uh, you know, so good in, in knockout competition is because of that rock solid defense. Um, but I also think that that part of it is cycles. We, we don't, we kind of take them for granted. You know, our, you know, when, when Franck Ribéry reached the 2006 world cup final at what, 19, 20 years of age, 
I think everybody was was thinking, oh, he's going to appear in two, three more finals before he retires. How many did he uh, appear in after that? Zero for France. Um, so, so something that people can definitely take for granted. And I do think that Deschamps recognizes that this is this is a this is a chance for me to build something similar to Spain ten years ago, to build a dynasty, to achieve something that has not been achieved in 60 years since a Brazil team featuring Pelé. So I, I think that there's a lot of appeal uh, for this job, for Deschamps. I think there's perhaps a lot of appeal as well uh, in not wanting to be replaced by Zinedine Zidane, not wanting him to uh, out, outdo him, to surpass him. And um, I, I do think as well that he recognizes that I, wh whenever I leave, whether that's in 2024, 2027, I'm going to have a lot more credit in the bank than when I started with. Uh, and I'll be able to have plenty of attractive teams um, that, that are willing to hire me. But frankly, Phil, I mean, apart from Paris Saint-Germain, which, by the way, I don't think is anywhere close uh, to firing Christophe Galtier, especially after he's, he's uh, led them to the only undefeated uh, record in Europe alongside Benfica. Uh, but I, I don't think that Galtier is going is close to receiving the sack. I also don't think that Deschamps is close to leaving. So uh, Zidane may have to look at getting a new, uh, looking at a new position in the future. <laughs> All right, my friend, before we go, let's talk about the semifinal final. Uh, so quick prediction in the France-Morocco game. What do you think will happen? Uh Listen, I really, really hope I am wrong, but I'm going to say uh, France 3, Morocco 1. I know that France have only conceded one goal um, in, this, in, in seven games since uh, their new manager took over. Absolutely incredible defensive record. But they're going up against uh, Olivier Giroud, Antoine Griezmann, Kylian Mbappe, uh, uh, Ousmane Dembele, some phenomenal players, as well as in Aurelien Chouameni, who's showing that he can uh, hit a rocket. So I think that mm -hmm. France uh, get to the final here. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say France 3, Morocco 1. And I think Deschamps deserves a lot of credit with what he's done with Griezmann. Griezmann's created more opportunities, more... I hate to use a stat, but let me borrow it for a second to make a point. The expected goals, uh, Griezmann's created more than anyone else in this tournament. Uh, I think to move him back in the midfield, to get that type of productivity out of him. Deschamps, I think this is where you see great managers, and I think that's where Deschamps deserves a lot of credit. When they do stuff that's not obvious and it works. And uh, reinventing players in many ways. Um, where Griezmann was at that point where he needed to be reinvented. I think moving back deeper because he has that skill set, I think is fantastic. Um, yeah, and look, Morocco's playing with house money, so we will see what happens there. They're dangerous, they're hard to beat. Uh, and even if they do go out, they can be so unbelievably proud of how far they've come and what they've accomplished. Uh, Argentina, uh, give me your prediction for the other semifinal. Yeah, this one is really tricky. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say this is going to be 1-1, let's say, uh, goals from, uh, goals from Kramaric and, 
and Julian Alvarez. I mean, I'm going to say that Argentina wins on penalties. So we have an Argentina-France final, according to you. Uh, who wins it? Oof. I'm going to say I'm going to say Argentina. I think that the last time that uh, we had repeat, um, the the last time. Well, obviously, this is not going to be a repeat final, but I think that. Uh, when you look at a lot of the repeats that we've had um, comp in comparison to 2022, a lot of them have actually gone the other way. You know, I was in I was in Moscow um, watching Morocco, Portugal and, and uh, Portugal obviously winning one nothing via goal from Cristiano Ronaldo. Four years later, Morocco ends up winning one nothing. Um, so we've seen that with quite a few results. I think that uh, Croatia and France, as well as Argentina, France, both of them would be repeats from uh, 2018. And yeah, you look at some other results; it's been kind of uh, flipped the other way. So I think that I, I think that uh, I'm going to say Argentina to beat France in the final, um, two one. I have a feeling Argentina too. I just have a sense of 86 about them. And I feel like they've grown in this tournament. I think that one of the things that you've seen grow in this tournament is their togetherness. They're willing to fight for each other. They don't have any of the internal squabbles that you saw with Belgium. You know, you see a team that's completely committed. And, you know, when you look at their support, you see Juan Pablo Serene, you see Cambiasso, you see Zanetti. He, ex-players, great players too, completely bought in behind Argentina uh, and acting like fans, it's a uh, few nations do this. Um, but uh, going to be really, really interesting. I just have a feeling that Argentina have that sense of 86 about them. I think, uh, don't get me wrong, it would still be a great story if Messi won it because there will be something symmetrical about that for me with football. That he's a type of guy that you know, you're missing a picture of him at the World Cup. Make him complete, I suppose. I don't think it all changed how he gets viewed in world football, and didn't change how Cruyff was viewed. But, um, uh, but I think it would immortalize him in Argentina. I still think, even if he did win it, Zach, he would still be behind Maradona as the darling of the country, in my opinion. But we shall see, my friend. Uh, we will be back next week again. Uh, next week, we will know who the World Cup winners are. So <laughs> we will we will, we will, will be back and see if our predictions came true. And once again, folks, I want to dedicate this podcast to the late Grant Wall. Rest in peace, my friend. Take it easy, brother. So